Welcome Rita Desnoyer Garcia to today's podcast. Rita went from being an overworked, stressed out mom to three young kids, trying to run a highly successful business, to now living her dream, coaching other women in the art of self-compassion. She has become a coach and an author and has a fascinating story to share. Welcome Rita. Hi, Rita. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. So I'd love to just start a little bit um, with a little bit about your background. So maybe tell us about you, where you're from or where you live right now, and really what led you to becoming a coach? Mm, Good question. So I was born in New Jersey um, and from a very young age, I was very concerned about the world and why maybe I was treated differently than other people, usually better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I just noticed differences, different neighborhoods, different conditions people were working in. And I remember having a conversation with my mom, maybe I was like in eighth grade about, I think I want to do something that's going to change the world. Like, I really Mm -hmm. feel like this is, you know, my thing. Yeah. And uh, I think in her mind, she saw me as a teacher. I was rejected that um, for a long time. And, you know, here I am now kind of like a teacher, but um, so I, I, that was sort of a thread through my life. I would go to New York city from New, I lived in New Jersey, would go to New York city and I would notice homeless people and I would bring sandwiches with me. I'd make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and bring them to mm-hmm. Port Authority, which I think now probably would get you arrested or something, but oh, wow. yeah. But then it was a little more loosey goosey. Yeah. And of course now, then I became like the the popular girl coming off the bus because everyone <laughs> was coming out with sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So that was just like, I couldn't, my, I would have a visceral reaction to people who are having a hard time. I couldn't tolerate it. And um, I grew up Catholic. So for a long time, I thought I was going to be a nun because um, that was the menu that I saw was like, oh, people who do good for the world and are very dedicated to their spirituality become nuns. So um, I remember having those conversations with nuns that I knew and they'd say, wait till you're 18 and we'll talk again. And, um, and then I went to uh, college. I went to a Catholic college, mm-hmm. College of the Holy Cross, which is a Jesuit uh, college. They're very into education. Mm-hmm. And I went to a Jesuit college too. That's Did you? Okay, yeah. cool. So, um, so I went to Holy Cross and became, you know, rejected all of my conservative values that I grew up with and just glommed onto all, everything left of that was um, something that I was attracted to and to the, much the d- dismay of my parents, stopped going to church, just became more, more rebellious. And then I did um, the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, which is like a peace corps but it's a catholic lefty kind of organization and i went to uh dallas texas of all places um to well i was interested in the south i wanted to see you know i've heard things about the south but i want to go there and see what it's really about and of course it's a lot more complicated than um and nuanced that than uh my northern brethren think it is. So I was glad that I really went and I went there as a refugee resettlement caseworker. 
So I got to literally pick up people from the, the Dallas-Fort Worth airport who are coming in from all over the world and help them get settled in the area. So got their kids in school, made sure all their paperwork was in place, made sure they had all their shots, um, made sure that they got a job, whatever they needed. And then, and then we had a budget on that. And then we would kind of throw them off and say, good luck, you know? Yeah. And it was amazing. I felt uh, very much like, hey, I'm really doing good for the world. I'm helping people who are escaping other countries resettle here. And they were very eager to do that and had been through hell and back. So they were just like, get my kids in school, get me a job. I don't care what it is. So in some respects, it was very easy to do. Yeah. And I got to see cultures from all over the world, which is very eye-opening. Had a lot of questions, a lot of things around myself and around, and just around our country and what it means and who becomes a refugee and who doesn't become a refugee, right? Mm -hmm. So so that was really eye-opening. And so then after that, I decided I really want to do more of this full-time. So I went to social work school. Um, so I went to Columbia and started working with the homeless, formerly homeless, mentally ill and municipal workers and families with children with des uh, developmental disabilities. So New York is a great place to be a social worker because yeah. there is no, um, everyone's got an issue. Everyone's in therapy, <laughs> in some <laughs> respect, a lot of people. And it was a great place for me to kind of grow up, be on my own, see what the rest of the world has to deal with and get in there and do something about it. And then I start, and then I met my husband, we got married, started having children, we moved out of the city, moved back to New Jersey and never thought I would ever come back. Um, and fell into a, I don't know, like a, I guess a, an emotional crisis yeah. where I was trying to raise three young children and have a business because I wasn't busy enough, apparently, mm -hmm. and just fell off into a dish, a, a ditch emotionally. Mm -hmm. And all of my crap came up. All of my, am I worthy? Why am I constantly doing things? Why do I never feel like I'm enough? Um, why is my business in the toilet? Why am I not happy as a parent? All of that stuff came up at once. And I found a coach who I thought was going to help me with my business. You know how we make these decisions, like yeah. our ego makes a decision and we think this is it. And then we go, it turns out to be something totally different. Yes. Yes. So, so I worked with him and pretty much the first thing he said to me was, Hey, can you just be really kind and gentle with yourself right now? Hmm. And at first I thought, what the hell is he talking about? Kind and gentle with myself. That's never been on my menu. And at the same time, I literally just collapsed and started bawling. Mm -hmm. Even just telling the story, I can feel the emotion coming up because it was permission slip yeah. to not think about how, how terrible a wife I was or a terrible a mother I was or how terrible a businesswoman I was or a terrible friend or whatever it was. I was just being really kind and gentle in that moment. And that set my trajectory into a different place, into a different direction from then on, where I thought, wow, this, I feel free in this moment. And I've never felt like that before. 
it's amazing how it can take one one word from basically a stranger yes to let you realize that yeah that you have the right to make a decision and choose something else exactly and i was desperate enough that's why i call this stranger you know i like the look of his face on his website basically i'm like he looks like a nice guy and so I worked with him for four years oh, wow. on the phone. I've never met him in person. We've only had phone conversations. He's an amazing, amazing person. And the first, I would say three or four months, every time I talked to him, I was crying. Just, mm -hmm. it was just a cry fest. It was like all of this emotion that had been built up over the years needed to come out. And I ended up taking a step away from my business, which I never thought I would do. Cause that was mean I was quitting and that was bad. And I started doing things like meditating, going to the gym, taking quiet walks, breathing, right? Mm -hmm. These things that now are just my every day yeah, were I can very foreign to me because I was running around with three kids. I had a nursery school going on basically while I was trying to do this other thing called a business. Can you and, tell us about what your business was? Because there's a little irony in that too, right? Yes. I was <laughs> selling health and wellness products. Mm -hmm. and, and Carrie, it was ironic because I would literally be trying to close a client with a toddler on me knee, crying, trying to keep them. Okay. Yeah. So would you like to buy this? You know? Yeah. I, my, the muscles in my tongue would get like spasm, which I've never heard of. Ever. Oh gosh, me either. So my body was like, stop, what are you doing? And yeah. even my husband would just say things like, are you having fun with that? <laughs> you know? And I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm having a great time. I am having a great time. I could not admit that this was a sinking ship because it meant that I was a failure. And that's what I was fighting against my whole life. Mm -hmm. was the fear of I'm a failure. Yeah, it is again. So, and I was like the best in my class. I was like the A student in my class. I showed up for all the calls. I followed all the instructions. And it got to a point where one of the instructors in this, it was a school telling you how to sell the stuff, right? They mm -hmm. would tell you how to sell any product, but just the sales process. And this guy had a, what he called a come to Jesus meeting with all of us. We weren't doing so well trying really hard. And he basically said, if you guys don't close someone in the next two weeks, I'm not going to give you lists anymore. And I put the phone on mute and I started crying during this mm -hmm. conference call. And then I looked around and I noticed my three kids were crying <laughs> for a completely different reason, which yeah. was like, mom's not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And so we all cried that day, right? Everything was coming to a head. So so I started working with this coach. He taught me a ton of different things. I started doing my own research, started finding my own teachers, you know, Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra and, and um, uh, oh, what's his name? Ne uh, Neil Dinesh? Walsh, no. not Neil, uh, the guy who wrote the conversations with God, um, a road less traveled. Yeah, yeah. All of these books were kind of coming out. The Secret. I was very much into yes, the Secret yeah. for a while. That's that was a big somewhere. Yeah. revelation to me that 
that we're here to be happy and to expand, not just to suffer, you know, that was like, what, you know, um, the idea of energy influencing your life, the state of consciousness you're in, all of that stuff was popping for me. And as I started to feel better, I noticed everyone else was still feeling crappy. So I would have, you know, friends and neighbors come over and mm -hmm. start telling their tale of why their life sucked. Yeah. And before I would just go, yeah, you're right. And then I started noticing, oh, they're just telling me what they believe. Mm -hmm. And I didn't buy into it. And I would not and go, okay, okay. But I realized like half of what they were telling me, I couldn't even relate to how it was, how it sucked. Like a lot of it was just like a person walked in the room, life sucks. And I'd be like, yeah. so why is them walking in the room make life? Suck? You know, like I couldn't even connect those. And I realized, wow, I do that too. We all do it. We all walk around telling our stories, our sagas, and half of it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, were most of these um, friends and neighbors working moms? Some were stayed home, some were working. Um, but I had plenty of friends who were working and raising children. Yeah. Um, those became my clients initially. Those mm -hmm. were like, it was sort of friends and family in, in the beginning. And I started forming a group. We did that for a while. I started writing uh, guided meditations started writing books about different subjects that I was interested in and I wanted to get mastered in. So I wrote a mm -hmm. book about abundance. I wrote a book about self-compassion, which is the one behind us. Um, so I was immersed in this, it became my priority, really out of desperation because I tried everything else. Mm -hmm. And I just started, I asked my coach like, I'm thinking I want to kind of do this. And he's like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have a coaching degree. And he's like, you have a social work degree. You've yeah. got the background. You learned a lot from me. Just go and do it. And I started doing that. That's amazing. So did you notice a lot of co like common themes among these women that you were talking to? Cause I'm assuming you talk primarily to women. Yeah. Um, I just, I've noticed in my own life kind of have traveled a similar path uh, that you have. And it, there's like this phenomenon now of, of particularly with working moms, just because that's what I've been exposed to of doing all of the jobs. Um, I remember when I was in my own rat race, raising three kids and trying to work at the university and work at this through a grant program for them and, and working through all these inner city schools. And because I could do all of these things, seamlessly <clears throat> that there were I, I categorized the jobs that I did in my head I, I had to be the perfect mom I had to be a good wife I still had to kind of run my house and I needed to be really good at my job but I was also doing thinking jobs and the thinking jobs I always thought of as um, when does this one need a doctor's appointment? When does this have to happen? What are the meals happening this week? And it's separate from just household yeah. stuff. It's, it's what moms are constantly juggling in their mind that wouldn't really happen if moms weren't there to do them. Well, I'm sure they would, but it would be a big shock to a lot of dads, I think. Right. Um, all of these things that have to happen or who needs clothes. 
all of these, all of these decisions, um, you know, eventually women short circuit, I think. Yeah. And it happens at different times. Is this something that you noticed that women were coming to you with? Yeah. Um, all of that, I would say, um, whether you have those things in your mind or not, that's just content, right? Mm-hmm. And what I've found is that the trick to all this is what's your relationship to the content? It's not the content itself. Yeah. It's your relationship to it. So in other words, you could be walking around thinking all those things and still feel balanced and okay and have a system and all that stuff. Or you can be overwhelmed and stressed and think you're doing a terrible job, right? So, so I would say for sure, moms tend to take that load on. And I think part and part that's because part of mothering traditionally, before we got into the workplace, before we had all of this other opportunity, that was our domain for the yeah. most part, right? Cause we were at home. So we took mm-hmm. care of all the home stuff and that's considered home stuff. So we just never outsource that or we never shared it and I think that's part of being the perfect mom too right Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't be perfect if you ask for help yes um just like I think men have a thing about asking for directions it makes them look weak I think women have a thing about Mm -hmm. asking for help around what they consider their domain because that means they're a terrible mom in some way or a bad mom or not enough or whatever so for sure that comes up. And so you have a couple of choices. One is you can ask for help and say, honey, can you take some of this on? Um, and I've definitely asked my husband to do that. I did like, too. Like for instance, I don't like teaching my kids how to drive. I am a terrible driving instructor. Same. <laughs> my husband's kind of chill about the whole thing. And that's exactly what my kids need. Yeah. They need to practice with someone who is not going to be like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, like that. With the the imaginary break (laughs) or thinking that they're somehow my hand's going to prevent me from flying through the window. Yeah. So, so he's taken that on and that's been huge. So he takes on different roles that I, I'm not so great at that. He's like, yeah, no problem. And then he gets to be the hero too, which men love being the hero. And I love making them the hero. So Mm -hmm. That works well for us. So yeah, it's carrying all that on. And also because we carry it on sometimes and we worry about it, I think our partners go, well, she's got it. I don't have to worry about it. Yes, that's exactly right. Right, so they don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And then that gets interpreted as you don't care, right? Hidden so, resentments, all of those things. All that, that stuff. That a so sometimes I, <laughs> yeah. So that was another thing I became, uh, I had a, more of a clue about over the years was, you know, maybe my husband isn't worried about this because he knows I can do a good job with it. I've got it taken care of. But maybe if I talked to him about it and said some of my doubts and fears, maybe he would go, well, I can help you with that. Or I share those same, or just knowing, you know, are, does that bother you too? Or is that, yeah, that I'm worried about that. Just knowing, yeah, I'm worried about that too. Oh, good. I'm not carrying the whole thing myself. Yeah. So, so for sure that has, is a common thread. And I think also perfection is a big one. Boundaries is a huge one. I think for a lot of moms who are, you know, spinning the plates. Yeah. We don't know, we keep taking on more plates. Mm -hmm. 
because we don't know how to say no, because if we say no, that translates in our heads as something like, I'm not, a, I'm not helping my kids school and I'm a bad mom, or I should help that neighbor because I'm a caring person, or I can't say no to my mother-in-law or else she's going to give me hell for the next year or whatever yeah. it is. So instead of saying no, as a, no, I can't do that right now, or I'll have to pass on that, or I can't say yes, or let me get back to you we tend to say yes when we really mean no. And then that yeah. resentment builds up. So true. So you're doing a lot of coaching now. You've transitioned into this new life of working with other women. Can you tell us a little bit about your coaching? What is your style, kind of how it works? Do you follow a certain process? Yes and no. There, there is a process. Sometimes it doesn't look obvious to other people. <laughs> but um Basically, I have a one-on-one -on -one chat with them, you know, like a discovery call and we get to like, what's the issue here? And then we decide, is this something we can do together? And then if that's a yes, then um, I usually work one-on-one -on -one once a week, although I have other ways of doing that as well. And we focus on the issue at hand, but what usually happens in that conversation is that all of this other stuff starts appearing. Mm -hmm. So what the psychologists would call the presenting problem is really just, this is what got them in the door, but yeah. really there's this whole other thing going on that they haven't talked to. But once they, I've noticed once people trust that I'm listening and I'm empathetic and, and I'm in their corner, um, all this other stuff comes in. Yeah. So and it's usually a once a week type thing. Yeah, go okay. ahead. Okay. Do you think women, um, I would think that this, would be kind of nice. It's not like traditional therapy because there is still that stigma, stigma surrounding therapy, yeah. but this is, it's different. It's almost like you're having a conversation with someone who's been through it, right? Yes. It's, it's not therapy. I'm not a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, I don't follow all those rules. Although I would say if someone's going to hurt themselves or others, I would be obligated to, you know, consult the authorities about that. But other than that, it's, it's, I kind of see it as I'm sitting down and we're having tea together. Yeah. What do you want to tell me? Um, I've called myself an emotional doula. Yeah. Um, I love that. So if you know what a doula is, it's a, yeah. it's a woman who's experienced in birth, mm -hmm. who assists women in birthing. And the reason I say that is because I found it's very powerful when you're in the thick of it to have someone with you reminding that yeah. you will survive, that you're gonna get through this, that you need to breathe. Right, it's almost like a, re a rebirth of sorts, right? They're just figuring out what's inside of them. That's always been there. Yeah. Letting that emerge. Yeah, and birth can feel really scary when you don't know what's going on, mm -hmm. right? And a little painful, right? And very intense and yeah, painful, intense. Um, I know some people have hypnobirths and they have this orga orgiastic experience, but that was, that was not my experience when I was no. giving birth. So, <laughs> um, but thank God I had doulas and midwives and labor nurses just going, honey, you can do this. This has been going on since the dawn of man. You're, you know, you're going to get through this because mm -hmm. you're just like, you know, when you're in the birthing process, yeah. you kind of regress into, I regressed into like, can you just leave me alone and let me yeah, go later? Exactly. Please. 
And thank God all the doulas I know were actually very strong women, grounded women. And they were just like, look, you're going to do it. We're going to do it together. One breath at a time. Yeah. And um, enthusiastically, like they're into it. Sure. So when I had kind of have that moment with a client, ah, it's amazing. It's an amazing moment because you know that they're going to have a baby. You know that there's like this really great thing on the other side of that commitment to go through it. Mm -hmm. I like that though. Emotional doula. It's a great term because it's really, it's definitely accurate. So I was going to, and typically I ask, um, what books you would recommend for someone who's just starting out in this, in this new journey or a woman who's struggling and wanting to just somehow come out on the other side of all of this overwhelm or whatever she happens to be going through, but you've written some books. So why don't you tell us about yours? So my book, I'm just, it's in back of me. It's called the self-compassion project. And it's, it's not super thick. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a workbook. And Basically, it's about how to use self-compassion, which I, I mean, defined in the book, Merriam-Webster defines it, but my definition really is when your divine essence is observing, acknowledging, recognizing the poor character that you are. When I say poor character, I mean the character is going through something difficult and going, poor sweet baby, I'm so sorry you're going through this. What do you need right now? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. That's just my phone. Um, so it's taking you through a process where you're looking at how you pre- prevent yourself from feeling what you need to feel. Yeah. And then walking you through that in a safe way through a lot of journaling, drawing whatever you want to do feeling what you're feeling, being present with yourself, writing down your story. And the story is I walked in and then he said this, and then he slammed the door and I felt this way. And it was so horrible. And this reminds me of this, just kind of writing it all down. So it's not in your noggin. Cause when it's in your head, you're having all these thoughts where they say 60,000 thoughts a day you have or something. So you're going in all these different directions, but when you're writing it down, it's a different process for your brain. So, and then you look at it and you can observe it and you observe your own story and you go, Oh my gosh, you poor sweet baby. I'm so sorry. You're going through this. Mm -hmm. And then how can I help you? What do you need right now? And this is, by the way, the process I use personally, organically and learning from others. And when I started to write down what I really needed in the moment, and it wasn't a piece of chocolate cake, you know, Mm. it was, I need to feel recognized. I need to feel safe. I need a hug. I need to rest. Then I was able to go, oh, that's what I need. I think I will give it to myself. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. Yeah. I mean, and how nice would that be for women to have that outlet rather than drinking wine at night or eating the chocolate cake or over-exercising or so many things we see that are just rampant right now. Right. Yeah. 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 That's great. And I like that it's in the form of a workbook too. And that it's not bring it to bed. Exactly. You can bring it to bed and the bathtub. I do my journaling in the tub. 
<laughs> yeah, it's very tub. Yeah. And it's on Kindle and you can get a PDF yeah, and it's all great. different forms. Yeah. So let me ask you, um, I have so many questions. I actually mm -hmm. have to just pick the last ones here. What advice would you give a very stressed out mom, whether she's working at home um, or working outside of the home or both, who just wants to feel better? What is the first step? Okay. So the first step I would say is to recognize that you want to feel better. Just recognize where you are. Just recognizing it is a, is a form of compassion for yourself. You're not ignoring it and saying, I don't need it. And you're just like, I really need this. Pause and just breathe. And for me, I find breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth is really helpful. It's like when you, it's like your whole body just, yeah. Just gentle breathing. Yeah. It has, stops us from reacting too. Doesn't yes, it? the pause and breathing. <laughs> yes, and we often regret the reaction. And, Absolutely. And what happens when you have the reaction? So the triggering. There's nothing wrong with being triggered. I know mm -hmm. that in society we kind of have like trigger warnings, and you should never get triggered, and you should never talk about things that are triggered. No triggering is really important. Yeah, you need the exposure, right? Because how else can we deal with anything? Yeah, you can't walk around with bubble wrap, mm -hmm. right, all the time. So the trigger is really just triggering something inside of you that needs to be processed. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You it know, just needs like, to be processed. This is a side story, but it just reminded me of something yesterday. Speaking of triggers, when I have a, a skincare handmade soap, a business, that's the business that I started when I left teaching. And I often listen to YouTube videos. I have to say, listen, because I'm running around the studio with gloves and goggles. And I love listening to this one soper who lives in England. And it's just because I love listening to her, her inner dialogue that comes out. And she's just often hilarious without even knowing it. And yesterday she was like making this very intricate soap and trying to describe like the colors of the soap and the textures. And, and she kept stopping and saying, oh, wait, I, I don't think we can say that or Oh, I, I don't know if I should say that. She said that like 20 times in the, in the course of five minutes. And I noticed that I stopped and I was like crying, laughing, just hysterical because I, she didn't even know she was saying that, but she couldn't get anything out because she was so afraid of triggering every single person yes. who was listening to her video. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 And that that's not, you know, it doesn't mean that we go blasting people, no, right? Of course, but it was but, just everything, everything. Yeah. Everything. We're like, boop, 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 boop. so being triggered is a gift because it's an opportunity for you to process some emotion or some energy that needs to come up and out. Yeah. So, so when you're triggered, you just stop and you recognize, wow, I'm really triggered right now. I'm feeling this. And then just allow your body to feel what you're feeling and breathe. And, and here's the other thing. Here's a novel idea. Just feel the sensations in your body. Yeah. That's all emotion is, is energy in motion. Feel it in your body. It took me years, Carrie, to do this. Mm -hmm. Years to go, maybe if I just sit here and feel the sensations in my body. And, and just like detach a little from the story of how I got triggered. Like, so in other words, stop, like you get triggered. Someone says something, you're upset about it. 
you feel it in your body and you go, okay, they said that this is happening. I'm going to pause and I'm just going to feel the sensation. And I'm just going to let that story that triggered it just go on the shelf for a bit. And I'm just going to feel the emotion. That's all I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Just sit here for five minutes. And it may not be over in five minutes. It may go yeah. on for a while. It's also oh, really th- hard to do, isn't it? It's super hard to do when you're not practiced in it. Yeah. Like everything else, whatever you tell your kids when they're having a difficulty, you know, say it to yourself. I know bicycle riding's hard because you need to practice. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Practice for two minutes, five minutes. Yeah. Um, but I promise you, when you do that, there's reward on the other side. So it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be, um, I keep using the word crappy, but I don't know what language you allow on your site, but it's not going to feel fine. great. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have this, you know, just like making soap, right? In the beginning, it's, you yeah, got your goggles and your gloves and you're working with all this stuff. And then literally working with a caustic substance, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. So, so that's the discomfort, but on the other side of that is this beautiful, fragrant, cleansing, um, perhaps detoxifying, wonderful therapeutic soap. Right. And uh, we wouldn't keep doing it or I wouldn't keep making it if I didn't have that result. Exactly. And you go through it again because you're going to get that result and you go through it again. And it does get easier with time, like anything else that we're making or practicing. Yeah. And then it's becoming, yeah, this is just what happens. And, and that the gloves and the goggles over time becomes, has a different meaning. You have a different relationship to that. Yep. I completely agree. So can you tell us, because I need to bring this to an end, even though I could yeah. talk to you all day, where can we find you online? So women who are maybe interested in working with you or purchasing your, your workbook, for instance, where can we find you? So, so my workbook is, it's on a couple different places. It's on my website, which is becomingawake.com. And obviously there's a contact page there. If you want to contact me for a a free complimentary, I call it a calm mom call, but you know, it's a discovery (laughs) session. Um, The book's also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, I think maybe Target. Um, And right now on Amazon, it's going for $2.99 if you have a Kindle. So that's a great, take advantage of that. Um, My website is a great place to contact me. And then I'm also on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, Becoming Awake as well, where I interview people like you, moms who are helping other moms doing cool things. And I also put videos up there just talking about random subjects that I think are important. Um, And then I also have a Facebook group called the Calm Mom Alliance. And every day during the week, there's something going on there. I have a Fridays, I have Facebook lives. I have a reframe Thursday. I have memes and discussions and all sorts of goodies. There's a lot going on there. Great. All right. So I've got all of these things down and we'll put them in the show notes and also on YouTube because this will be available there as well. And I look forward to connecting with you on YouTube also. So yes. thank you so much for joining me today. And I think this was just a lot of information in a short 35 minutes for, that women can have a lot to unpack and really be able to have useful information that they can put to use right away. So thank you so much, Rita. And um, I will be in touch. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.